What is up CSGs? In this video, I'm going to talk about the most exciting preseason and season coming up for the Rockets in quite some time. We have so many storylines coming up this year. So many. It's crazy. We're probably the most interesting team in the NBA. That's my choice. Maybe I'm a homer. I don't know. But y'all tap in. Enjoy. Sound 42. Turn it up. It's the Chop Not Slap Show. So G Rossi and DJ Candlestick. Shop stars OVO gang. DJ Candlestick. <laughs> So first and foremost, off the bat, uh, to me, one of the top storylines going into this year, and some may argue maybe there's other ones you think are, are kind of ranked higher, it has to be Jalen Green. It has to be Jalen Green going into year three. This is year three for Jalen. As you guys have seen some of my older videos, year three is a very important time for these guys, for these players that are uh, bred, that are selected, that have been ushered into the role of being the star of the team. Jalen needs to show us something this year. This year, it can't wait. There's so many things on the table for him. He's gonna come up on his contract year that's gonna be approaching soon where the Rockets can talk about extending him. Um, you know, there's a lot of new faces on the team. We'll talk about a little bit of that later, but this year, Jalen has to show something. The last year um, that he played, ups and downs. That's why I'm gonna give him uh, for, for my assessment of him, a lot of ups and downs. He had, you know, flashes of being this prolific scorer, but he also had games where he looked like he was just disconnected. Made me question whether he was one of those guys, right? And what I mean by one of those guys is one of those guys that you can just basically book it that they're going to be there night in and night out. Can't have your superstar having, you know, wishy-washy games like that. And he had a lot of those. There was a stretch in like January where he played just horrible. Um, and I think what really happened to them was kind of some of the depression of losing so many games got to them. That was kind of coming off of that that long streak they had. There was a lot going on. Coach Silas was in and out with his father passing. Uh, just, just, just a lot going on. KPJ was hurt and he had to take on more of a load. It, it became overwhelming for him, in my opinion. And you could tell in some of the postgame interviews that it was getting to him. But this year, new situation. He's rejuvenated. He's been working on his body, on his game all offseason. You got to show us some, bro. This is the year to show it. Third year leap. Like I've been saying for Jalen, can you be a good defender? If not, if you're not going to be a great defender, at least can you be a elite playmaker? I'm leaning more into him being a two-way guard. One of those guards that could be a pest for other guards, other smaller shifty guards. I've seen him do it. I want to see him do it this year consistently. So consistency, consistency is going to be key for Jalen. Can you do it on a night in, night out basis? Coach Lucas said it best. The difference between a good player and okay players in the NBA is the guys that do it every night. Is Jalen Green going to be good? We'll find out. All right, the next storyline is, to me, it's, it's a no-brainer. Got to be Opera and Shangoon. You know, we've been talking about Shangoon a lot this offseason. He's been having a great offseason with the um, with the play. We've been seeing him overseas, showing all the stuff that really makes people excited by him. But for him in the NBA, 
this is a big year just like Jalen year three can you take that leap and for him that leap is going to be on his defense on the defensive end of the court I've defended you know his defense uh, on some parts of it I've also been critical on parts of his defense this year you got to show me some bro like we cannot have you giving up you know the, one of the highest percentages at the rim and also on the perimeter a lot of that was due to schematics a lot of that was due to bad placement bad coaching bad teammates bad bad team overall and bad deep terrible defense but what can you do to show us that you belong in this league not as a player like we know he's an nba player but as a star caliber player because i think that's where his limit is alpi has all the tools to be a great player in this league alpi has all the tools to be an all-star in this league alpi has all the tools to be possibly a superstar in this league but if he cannot be on the floor in key moments then he's not going to reach that level so for him coming in what is the coverage going to look like it's going to be interesting to see how they really start off camp is he going to be playing a lot of drop coverage is he going to be doing some switching are they going to do some hard hedging are they going to have him off the screener are they going to have him in the corner like uh, the turkish uh, coach did what i want to see is just some variety i hated how just 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 rigid we were last year with some of the things that we did coach silas really attributed a lot of that to the fact that the guys just didn't learn love what coach um email doko has already said on his first press conference youth is not an excuse so you better pick it up or somebody else will they got some guys that's ready to take your spot so for for um for alp can you adapt to different defensive schemes and then like the shot making i'm not going to put that on him at, at year three i don't think he needs to be shooting like 38 from three this year but at some point in his career he i think he will get there he does need to get there keep adding you know some range i want to see that mid-range game kind of improve out he got the shot put can you add something else do you have a, a set jumper that you can use so when you run those uh jabari shangun screens you can really see uh put the defense in a bind there but for him it's going to be real key how does he come into training camp in shape is he stronger is he as explosive as he looked um in in his games that he played this summer on the nba court does it translate to the athletes in the nba that'll be real key for him this year but i believe he's gonna do it if everything that's that i just said and laid out if that actually comes true i think alprin is probably gonna have the hugest leap on the team because we've already seen what his baseline is he's damn near a near all-star player when you patch some of those holes that he already has in his game you're flirting with some there that I really don't know how to say like I don't know what it looks like I don't I really don't know what it looks like for a lot of our guys you know what I mean because it's kind of hard to assess was it them that would they were just really bad or was the coaching really bad was the scheme really bad was the structure really bad but we're gonna see but for Alperen Shangun, what can you do on defense to keep you on the court at all times so your other talents could shine that's what's gonna set him apart and that's what he's gonna have to do and it's gonna start in training camp so I'm curious to see what that looks like next storyline gotta be Kevin Porter Jr and his role on the team. Now, some people may have this as first, depending on how infatuated you are with Kevin Porter. I love Kevin Porter. I was just watching. I might do a breakdown of uh, his Bulls game where he dropped 36. Um, I need this guy on the team, man. I I'm really, really high on KPJ. I'm really high on KPJ under Coach Ime Udoka. I'm really high on KPJ with a team with Fred Van Vliet. I'm really high on KPJ with a team with some vets. And I just need to see how does he accept whatever role that the coaches give him this year how does he accept it because to me that's going to define the rest of his career so for kevin porter jr that role whether it's a six man you know what i mean are you the six man maybe you're not the six man maybe there's a different six man maybe you're just a backup player 
I, I don't know where he's really going to fit. Um, and honestly, if they had, like I said, if it's a pure meritocracy and it, him and Jalen play the same position, they're both shooting guards. Um, and, and with Kevin Porter being and Jalen having the ability to ball handle uh, plays uh, in the pick and roll and doing things like that. Then you got a man Thompson there um, in, in the wings kind of playing that same kind of position, too. So it's going to get real weird, um, but I'm ready for it because you know what? That type of competition is what breeds champions, right? You need competition. Nobody should ever feel like they're just chilling in their spot. And I hope that's the same for Jalen Green. If KPJ is playing better than him over the long term, then, hey, you know what I mean? Maybe Jalen is going to be the sixth man. But I think the fact that Jalen is a, a high draft pick and a very talented player, he's going to get every benefit of the doubt. No matter what the sport is, no matter how much a coach preaches meritocracy, there's still politicking involved. And you want to give those guys that are really, really talented, they're going to get a longer rope than the guy that's, you know, a walk on like we're talking about with football. Right. If you if you scouted a guy out of, you know, top in his state in high school, he's going to get a, a more chance to mess up in camp than the walk on that just walked on the team. So. For, for, for KPJ, what does that look like? I honestly believe that he's at a point in his career where he's ready to accept whatever comes his way and let his game do the talking for him. If he stays the course and just let basketball be basketball and keep all that other stuff out of the game, I think he's going to make himself a lot of money on his next contract because his skill set, the shooting, the ball handling, the playmaking, he needs to be a much better defender, really disappointed in his defense. Um, for his size and his wingspan and his intangibles, just his his body and everything he has, he should be one of the best defenders on the perimeter in, in the NBA. That all comes from Wantu. So can he become that defensive player that can also, you add that to his skill sets and his mental makeup being transformed into this player that is coachable, that controls his temper, that doesn't throw tantrums on the, on the court. That's a player that you're going to want to pay. That's a player a lot of teams are going to want to want. So I'm curious to see how does that start in camp? Can you imagine the first day of camp he's rolling with the twos? It's going to be interesting. I'm glad Fred is there because Fred, to me, is a player that I don't think would be controversial to start over him. Um, the Man Thompson stuff would have been weird if it was just we didn't have Fred Van Fleet and it was just a Man Thompson as the lone other point guard and they just threw a man out there to start. But Kevin Porter Jr., how does he buy into his role? Does he buy into his role? To me, that'll determine success for him. And then the basketball will take care of the rest. So we'll see how that goes when camp starts. All right, a little bit lower on my list is the Jabari Smith Jr. second year. Now, usually sophomores slump in their second year, but he was so slumped in his first year, he has nowhere to go but up. We've seen all the, you know, the great play from Summer League and you know some of the rico runs he seems like a more confident player jabari really has to have a, a better year this year he has to have a decent year this year he cannot afford a sophomore slump some of his counterparts can he cannot so what can he do this year to really elevate his game for him it's going to be one getting stronger uh and and just being more versatile in his his shot attempts because the defensively i think you know young guys are going to be young guys i think he'll be better on defense this year the will is there the ability is there so all it just takes is his awareness and iq to catch up jabari's going to be a great defender right on the offensive side of the ball where he really struggled is does he have enough comfort uh, enough comfort in this game does he have enough uh just being more comfortable with who he is to be able to get to his spots. That's what he needs to figure out. What are your spots? Y'all know my stance on Jabari. I see him as the prototypical power forward from the you know early 2000s 
the guys that you throw the rock to, they can go to work in the mid to high post. And he's the, a combination of that with the new wave of stretch bigs that can shoot the three. But the three is not first. Jabari's not, not a three and D wing. Okay, I think he was miscast in college because he was so small and it looked awkward when he would try to do things on the perimeter. He was miscast coming into the draft and a lot of times, uh, Coach Salas miscast everybody, but he was miscast on the Rockets. Hopefully, Emil Udoka can figure out what his niche is on the court. I think he needs to be a guy that's uh, that four or five combo where he could swap out at four and the five and, and use his, uh, uh, his ability to stretch the court as a weapon, uh, but not the primary weapon. That needs to be a secondary weapon to his isolation game. And the only way Jabari is going to reach that superstar level is if he has the ability to be able to punish the defense and make them commit a double team. And the only time that I've seen Jabari get a double team is when he gets a small in the post. So what does that mean? You're screening with Jabari. You're, you're burying little guys in the Jabari. You're trying to get in transition, getting mismatches. And if he does have a small or a bigger player, then you can use some of his intangibles to attack that. If it's a small guy, shoot over them, right? You have a, a damn near, you're damn near seven feet tall, a high release. They can't stop that. And you keep punishing that, they're going to send the double team. Now, guess what? Jabari got to have a court vision, pass the ball. Guess what you're doing now? You're generating offense out of the mid to high post. Guess what, guys? This is what Akeem Olajuwon did to win uh, two rings for Houston, right? So we've we've seen this before. We have seen this 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 party before. So for Jabari, can he get comfortable in his spots on the court, and can the offense find him? I think with Fred Van Vliet, um, with Amen Thompson, hopefully with Jalen and Kevin Porter, some of the guards, the guard play improves some, and then they'll be able to put him in positions to be successful. Um, also, I like to see him initiate more out of the wings, like he did in summer league. I love that look. I can see that little Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown um, two-man deal that the coaches are trying to cultivate there. But for Jabari, it's going to be important. It's going to be important being versatile. That's the key for him. Versatility. No more just chucking up three-pointers. Dude, get in the post. All right? If you get a shot, you in transition, pull up for that three. You know, you're going to be in the corner sometimes. Hit hit those shots. Attack. Attack, you know, big man. If you got, uh, like we've seen with Jalen Dern and, and Wiseman guarding him, attack those big men. Use them handles that you worked on. You're not going to be breaking down wings on the perimeter. That's not his game. You get a wing on you that you bigger than you. Mikael Bridges want to guard you, Jabari? Put his ass in the post. You know what I mean? Put him in the post. You got to put the defense in the binds for Jabari. That's what we want to see this year. I'm curious to see once again. Keep in mind, all these things I'm talking about, I'm curious to see. What does that look like when camp starts? Exciting times. Exciting times. A key part of this offseason is going to be integrating the new players. The Dylan Brooks, the Fred Van Fleets, the Jeff Greens, and the Jock Lindales. So all of these players are going to add something. With Obviously, with Dylan and Fred being starters, what does that look like for the team? This is going to be a brand new team that we've never seen before, right? We're used to the Jalen, uh, KPJ, Shangun, Jabari, and whoever is at the three, whether it was KJ or Tate lineups. And, you know, they had some exciting games. You know what I mean? They had some good games that we enjoyed, but most of the games were L's, right? So now we have a brand new team with some vets on there. It's going to look so much better. First of all, it's going to look much better, much crisper. Everything is going to run smoothly for the integration of new players. I'm curious to see what the balance is between the new guys. How do they balance trying to assert themselves as the older players on a team and letting some of these young bucks get their shine? That's going to be a tussle, not only with the players, with the coaches, with the fan base as well, because 
you know how you guys get when uh you know older player takes a shot away from a young guy but to me when you're winning and you're trying to win it's a different dynamic everybody has to sacrifice everybody has to be selfless and this is something that i haven't seen a lot of from our our team and that's all of them shangun jabari jalen all included can they buy into that and can the guys that are coming in that we've brought here can they buy into being mentors but also being guys that contribute to to winning in real time and so that's going to be an interesting mix i think for fred he's played kind of both roles i think last year once again i really think he was playing over over himself like he was doing too much and i he might have said something like that in an interview or so he was doing too much you know contract year trying to get paid doing way too much can you scale it back and be that point guard that won that championship for Toronto? And I think a lot of it has to do with the construction of the team around him. Fred is perfectly comfortable playing on and off ball, and he his skill set fits both modes. I'd like to see him play kind of in between where he does get a lot of on-ball reps, and then he does play off of Jalen Green and Kevin Porter and Amen Thompson. Whenever those dynamic guards that are paint-touch kings get in the game, we need Fred out there spacing because he's a great over 40% catch and shoot three point shooter. So his integration, I'm not really worried about Fred. Dylan Brooks is a bit of a wild card to me. I love everything about him, love his intensity. I love those guys, those those Russell Westbrook, Pat Beverly, those uh, irrational confidence guys, because that's what's make them who they are. But at the end of the day, we're still trying to win games and I don't want that irrational confidence to be a detriment to the team. So can he tame that? Can Ime Udoka uh, get him to buy into the role they want him to play, which I'm assuming is, is a culture guy, a tough guy, a defensive player, that hits his shots when they're there because honestly i don't need him playmaking i kind of like what i've been seeing from him in canada with sga and some of those guys out there uh, uh, uh playing on ball and him playing more off ball cutting and just hitting a spot of threes can he do that for the rockets with younger worse players is going to be the question um but for the two of them you know i think it's going to really determine how successful we are how well they integrate and how fast they get into their roles and how that meshes with everybody on the team. For Jeff and Jock, I think they're just going to be great role players. They know the game, Jeff for sure, and Jock for sure. You've heard some of the interviews, him talking about what he's coming here to do is to help, you know, compete. But at the same time, he knows the situation with the young Rockets. So that's going to be the thing, man. How do these guys integrate? Are they going to go off to a slow start? How does that affect the locker room? A lot of questions, but in training camp, it's, I'm going to be curious to see who takes the leadership role first and, and, and how that communication amongst those guys. I've already seen flashes that these dudes are willing to learn from under older players that have been there. It's not a matter of talent, right? Jalen is probably more talented than Fred Van Vliet, but Fred Van Vliet is a better player, a harder worker, and knows how to do it. He's a vet. He's a pro. He's a pro's pro. That's what, when you pair that with talent, when you pair professionalism, work ethic, talent, you get a superstar. We need Jalen to learn those skills. We need Alperin, Jabari, Kevin Porter, a man, all these young guys. They need to learn these skills. Tarese and be a pro. Then let your talent shine through that. They'll be fine. So I'm curious to see what that looks like coming up in training camp. And to me, one of the intriguing parts of this is, you know, going to be the coaching and the GM. Um, coming into this new season, one, the relationship between Ime Udoka and, and Rafael Stone We've heard the stories and reports uh, through various outlets of how 
you know, Stone might have been a bit overbearing on Steven Silas and his wills and wants and how there was some friction there. It seems like him and uh, Stone and Ime are on a, on the same page this year. And I think there's more respect there for a coach that's more established. But how does that relationship work? And what does that mean? What does a successful season look like for uh, the two of them? For Ime Udoka, a coach coming off a team that went to the, uh, to the, to the championship what does it look like for him to have a successful season with one of the worst teams for the past three years? Um, I think that's going to be real key for him. He's putting himself out there with, with the Rockets, taking this job. And it's, that's why a lot of these high-name coaches don't take rebuilds. It's going to usually go to the younger, up-and-coming coach that's trying to get his name out there. They, they take these jobs knowing the risk that you probably get fired if things don't go well in two or three years. For Ime, it's a different situation. He's given a lot of autonomy. He's going to have a longer leash than a Steven Silas or one of these Jacques Vons or younger or coaches that are unproven. Now, to me, he's still fairly unproven himself. You know what I mean? Because that same Celtics team went on a deep run. They have a lot of talented players. But from what you hear around the league and from other coaches and NBA players, the guy's the goods. He's one of the best coaches um, out there on the market, and we were able to land him. What does a successful season look like? For me, changing the culture. And I think we do have a lot of high expectations. I've set my win totals to 35 to 40 based off of talent and some of the players they have. But honestly, before I can comfortably say that the Rockets are going to turn it around completely, it's going to take this year for them to get together and learn what they want to do. And I think next year, uh, the 24-25 seasons, when you guys are going to see the big pivot to when we're like, damn, we're going to make the playoffs or we're pushing for the playoffs. Now, there's some more uh, optimistic people out there in the fan base, which is cool. I'm cool with that. Um, but I, I just, you know, to me, there's there's still that phase of where they're going to learn to to who each other are and who's who and who's the leader, who's the followers. And there's going to be some head bumping before things normalize. So I expect all that for Rafael Stone. He doesn't have the same grace as Emo Doka, in my opinion, because he is on the tail end of his tenure or or well, he's coming out of the rebuild. I'm not going to say the tail end because that assumes he might get fired. He might get fired, but I don't know what the cutoff wins is. I'm sure Tillman Fertitta has something in his head for what he thinks a good season looks like. But um, unlike Emo Doka, Rafael Stone has baggage coming into this, right? I'm sure if you gave him truth serum, this offseason isn't what they envisioned as far as getting the players and the price points that they were going to hit. Regardless of that, they had a decent offseason, in my opinion. I think I gave them a B plus. Um, it wasn't a terrible offseason, but I don't think this is what they expected, having the largest cap space in the NBA. These, these aren't the contracts you just you imagine in a dream world. But we live on, on Earth in reality. This is not a dream world. Can he make this team into something? And can he build on from here is what I'm willing to see. I've actually been um, happy with how this offseason has gone so far for him. Um, I like that he's taking more of a passive role and doing his job and just getting uh, the coach the stuff he needs. I like that Coach Adoka and him have more of a partnership rather than a supervisor to a worker role, which it seemed like with him and Steven Silas. So I think all of that lends well. I'm happy there's more basketball minds so he can do what he does well, which is contracts and get these kids signed. So for him, I don't know what the win totals are going to be. To me, this season is not going to be a season of win totals to determine who gets fired, who doesn't. You're just going to have to feel it out. Now, I think there's a lower tier of win. Like, we win 20 games again. Then, yeah, somebody needs to get fired. Players need to get moved. Something needs to happen. Something went horribly wrong. But if they just, to me, what they're projected, 31 and a half, if they get into the 30s, 
depending on how the season goes. Maybe there's an injury. Maybe something went, you know what I mean? Blah, 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 blah. Depending on how the season goes, to me, that'll really determine whether I give Stone that passing grade or not. Can he turn this around? He's been selling us on this year. The time is here. No more excuses. No more, well, he did it. I don't want to hear none of that. It's time to put up or shut up. It starts very, very soon. The offseason is about a month away. I am super excited. This might be the most excited I've been about a rocket season since I don't know, because I wasn't happy about the T Mac thing. I don't know about y'all. Y'all were happy when T Mac came and then the season after I wasn't. I didn't I didn't like T Mac. Um, but um, this is probably the most excited I'm going to be. But y'all tell me, what is your number one storyline you're looking forward to in, in training camp? I think mine is going to be Jalen's ascension into the or or stagnant. Is he going to be stagnant or is he going to ascend into the next level? That's my number one. Close second was the, is the Alp Center situation. Now, I've named a lot. What is yours? What is your number one storyline that has you excited about, about uh, training camp that you want to see? Let me know in the comments. Keep rocking with the Chop Shop and we're going to keep dropping that fire.